0: Oh God, we thank you for your love. And we know that uh, we rely on your spirit. We rely on your spirit when things are just amazing in our life. But God, I think the time that we need your spirit is when life is hard. Where life throws us curves that we just don't especially know how to handle uh, the moment that they hit us. But thanks be to God that when we stand back and we're able to see how you have moved in our lives, that we see that uh, through the midst and through the trials and through the difficulties, you have seen us through. So God, as we continue in this series of looking at the seven churches of Revelation, Lord, we just pray that you let the words of my mouth and the meditation of each heart here be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. Amen. So I had a uh, conversation with a, a friend of mine that I went to uh, college with. We always uh, chat on, on Sunday morning. Uh, he calls me as he's going to his his uh, church gig, as he, he calls it, to uh, lead music. And we were sitting there talking about, and I was talking about how I'm doing this series on the seven churches of revelation and I said man it's hard and he started to laugh and said Chris don't you remember any time that anybody talks about revelation or preaching on revelation that you want to avoid it because it is so difficult and I said that, yeah I do but you know what it doesn't mean that we don't need to wrestle with it and uh, we need to wrestle with all of scripture because there's there's difficult stuff in in scripture all the way through it and there are things in the Bible that we just have to just stop and wrestle. And, and the whole book of Revelation is that way. So I'm thankful that I'm only doing the seven churches of Revelation and not the other stuff that's in. No. Um, maybe one of these days we'll, we'll, we'll dig more into the other stuff of Revelation. But, you know, each of the churches, as I mentioned before, you know, they're, they're written for a specific audience at a specific time. But we can then take those words and, and have them apply to us today. And I think especially today's church gives us special words that, that can help us as we move through maybe some difficult times or, or, or difficult uh, troubles in our own Lives just to kind of set this up again here 's the map of the uh, seven churches. Remember I said last week that these were the closest churches to the island of Patmos, which is where, where John was exiled and, and where he was writing these letters from and If you can see there 's a a circuit or a circular pattern they 're saying that probably the reason why this, these letters were written to these seven particular churches is that they were all a part of this this mail route, if you will, or a way that things got uh, distributed around that area. First starting at Ephesus, which was a, a very important city, and then it moved around to uh, the other seven churches, and then most likely as after they hit Laodicea, they would come back to Ephesus to pick up more stuff or, or whatever, just to... Close the circle. One of the writers that I was reading this past week just gave me something interesting to think about, was that when they started this journey from Patmos to, to, uh, to send the letters around, there were seven uh, guardians of these letters, and they would go to the first town, and one of the, the livers would stay there with that letter, and then the six would move on to go to the next town and then five, and then four, and then three, and the two, and the one. And we talked about last week how each letter is uh, shared to an angel. And it's not necessarily a, a guardian angel or, or some spiritual being, but it was to that person who was entrusted that letter from John, that person who was given that letter to share with this church to give a, a particular message, and that that gives a, a better picture. You know, one person really entrusted with this message from God, from, from John, which was really a message from Jesus. Now, we move on to the second church, uh, Smyrna. Smyrna was a, a, a one of those three churches between Ephesus, Smyrna, and Pergamum that were in battle or in in, in competition to be the best city in Asia Minor or the best place. If you saw on the map, you could see how they were kind of close to to the sea. So they had access to uh, you know the water and it was both port cities, but each of those three cities tried to outdo themselves. and and the way that Smyrna tried to outdo the other two churches was who they had allegiance to. Uh, Smyrna was, uh, was built about 135 BC. One of the r- reports say, but then in 7 BC, the entire city was destroyed. But then in 3 BC, it was it was built back up again. And in the midst of that being built back up again, they they held their allegiance to Rome, and and, and they built this this strong connection to Rome so strong that it became a place where a lot of these temples started to be built up. There was a temple to Zeus. And, and the most important temple that was built was to the Greek goddess or the Roman goddess Roma, which was the, how the city Rome was named. So they, they, they worshipped Roma, and, and they did everything they could so that they could become the favorite city of Rome. And and in the process of uh, becoming Rome's favorite city, they they were to do other things too. One of the places that that they said that was important in Smyrna was that they said that Homer, the, the person who wrote the Iliad and the Odyssey, that that was his hometown, that he was born there. So there was a Homerorium I don't know if I'm saying that right, but it's something, something close to that. But it was a place where it paid honor to Homer. And there were a lot of literature, a lot of art that was built up around this place. But a lot of the art and a lot of the literature was in honor of these, these gods and goddesses. And this is the place where Paul decided to plant a church. Now, we don't see anything written in the Bible about Smyrna, but what we probably understand and think is that when Paul spent his time in Ephesus, he used time to travel the 35 miles, if you will, up the coast to Smyrna, and he started this church where there was all of this ungodliness, all of this idol worship, all of this... This stuff that he brought in, this counterculture movement of a person named Jesus Christ who came not just for those who were in Israel, but for the whole world. So thinking about that picture of, of what Smyrna is, I invite you to go into scriptures with me as we take a look at, Roman, at Revelation chapter 2, verses 8 through 11. So hear the word of the Lord. To the angel of the church in Smyrna write, these are the words of him who was the first and the last, who died and came to life again. I know your afflictions and your poverty, yet... You are rich. I know about the slander of those who say they are Jews and are not, but are a synagogue of Satan. Do not be afraid of what you are about to suffer. I tell you, the devil will put some of you in prison to test you, and you will suffer persecution for ten days. Be faithful, even to the point of death, and I will give you life as your victors crown. Whoever has ears, let them hear what the Spirit says to the churches. The one who is victorious will not be hurt at all by the second death. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. So as you can hear, last week I mentioned that there were two churches that there was a commendation, but there was there was no uh, warning, or there there was no of uh, warning, or or words about how they need to straighten up and and the church in Smyrna was one of those churches that just had a commendation but I don't know if that commendation is that very good of a commendation if you if you ask me talking about the suffering and and the persecution that the church would overcome but the very first part of this, we see, as, as we talked about last week, there, there's words about who Christ is. Last week, we talked about how Christ was among the seven churches, walking around the, the lampstands that were there, but the light that was coming from the seven churches. And he also had these seven stars in his hands, talking about how he was taking care of those leaders of these particular churches. Churches Today, we hear a different view of who Jesus is, and it talks about Jesus being the first and the last, the one that was able to, to overcome, the one who came over death to be brought to life again. And I think Jesus was using these words just to remind Smyrna, as I mentioned before, that they were wiped out before. The whole city was was taken over and, and nothing was left but out of that rubble, the city built up again, and it, it it still is around today. and I meant to write down the name of the the city that it's there. If you look, you can see at that particular point, there is another city that it that is located where Smyrna was, but it's still alive and it's still thriving, and there is still a church there. Today, because they were able to move through the persecution. They were able to move through the hard times. Just like our Savior was able to move through death on a cross and being laid in a tomb. And three days later, as we celebrate him rising again to the second life that we have because of the work that Christ has done us, Jesus sets this up and John writes about this to kind of give them this hope. Because in the midst of, of everything that is going on, the little church in Smyrna is going through major persecutions. And it probably has to do with the temples to Zeus and the temples to Roma and all of the, the secularism that was there inside of Smyrna. They refused to bow down. Now it talks about the synagogue of of Satan and, and what the writers were talking about there was that you know the churches were taking on the view of the culture around them. They were celebrating and doing things that would highlight what the community was doing but they were forgetting what God had called them to do. The people around them except for the small Church, and because the small church w- was doing that, Jesus was saying, "You know, you're going to have hard times. You're going to have things that are going to come up against you, and, and you're going to be thrown in prison. You may be killed, but the call in your life is to be faithful—not just faithful, but to be faithful even on." to death. So what does that have to do for us? I think it's a reminder. It's a reminder that the life that we go through is always going to have difficult times. That that no matter where you are, as one of the sayings says, you know, if you are not going through a difficult time right now, well just hold on because it's coming. You know, you may have gone through time and time again. But this life does not promise us an easy passage. Even the psalmist talks about that. In Psalm 30, verse 5, at the very end of that passage, the psalmist writes, weeping may tarry for the night. That we're going to have moments where we weep. But thanks be to God, he doesn't leave it there. Because the next part of that scripture says, but even though weeping may come, that joy, joy will come in the morning. And I don't know about you, but there are times in my life where I just need to hold on to that fact. That even though there may be hard times in my life, I know that joy will come in the morning. Jesus talks about how their suffering will last for 10 days. And that's not just a, a numerical saying that once 10 days is over, it's done. But what it's telling us is that the suffering that we have is short-lived. It may be 10 days, it may be three months, it may be a year, but if we think about the span of our entire life, it really is just a short moment. There is a morning, though, where where the sun will rise again and we can see God's glory and goodness once again. I know I talk about Facebook kind of regularly. There's a lot of things I hate about Facebook, but there's a lot of things that I love about Facebook. I love Facebook memories because I can see where there was devastation or or harm or, or trials in somebody's life. But then as I look a year later or two years later or three years later, I can see how God has moved through those difficult times and has made something beautiful come of that. I have seen where, where people have struggled, where people have, have come under uh, difficulties in their lives, but that was a testimony of their faithfulness about how God was able to use those moments to bring Joy. And my friends, as the words of Jesus says, you know, we must be faithful, faithful even unto death, because, because we believe that death is not the final word that death does not end our story, but it's beginning of our story of God's love and goodness and grace in our lives. When I started to do research and started to uh, think about this passage, that phrase, even unto death, kept coming up in my mind that even unto death is not the final word. There's a song by, uh, uh, by Audrey Assad. She is a uh, Christian singer, and uh, she has a powerful song that Ashley Tracy introduced to me. And I was looking at her story of why she wrote this passage. And Audrey Assad is the daughter of a Syrian Refugee. And she wrote this psalm because she saw a video of missionaries being executed in the Middle East. A- and that tore her heart to see that these people who were being faithful to, to God's calling were being executed because of who they claimed was their God. And then she started to think about how we as Americans think about security. And how security is the, the most important thing that we try to strive for. And she wrote these words. She said, I think we in America, as Christians, have national security as individual priorities. Which is Negative to the gospel. Not that we should invite danger, but we as Christians need to live as a countercultural witness. Jesus didn't involve himself in militaristic issues or the physical deliverance of his people. He did something bigger and he did something more radical. He liberated our hearts and he was meek. He accepted the degrading of the culture, and he took it, and he loved it, and he loved us. I find when Jesus says, narrow is the way and few find it, he's talking about believers. Even within the fold, few will take up their cross and follow him. And what I believe she's saying is there is that, you know, we, as, as humans and I know I'm talking more about myself than, than you we want to avoid pain. We want to avoid th- those difficult moments in our lives. We would much rather do everything we can to be safe and secure. But the fact of the matter is, you can't buy safety and you can't buy security. That there's always going to be something. Losing a job, finding a a condition or a medical issue. Maybe children who are, are walking away from the faith. There's always going to be something that is going to rock you to the core. But the words that Audrey writes and what she's talking about is that, you know, even unto death, I know that there is a God who loves me and cares for me, who wishes and wants the best for me, and I will follow him. This is from her song. She says, In my darkest hour, in humiliation, I will wait for you. I am not forsaken. Oh, I lose my life. Oh, my breath be taken. I will wait for you. I am not forsaken. One thing I desire is to see you in your beauty. That's what Jesus is telling the church in Smyrna. And my friends, that is what Jesus is telling us today. Even in the midst of these difficult times, even in the middle of of struggles, and even in the middle of trials, Christ is calling us to wait on him, to, to open our arms, to open our hearts and say, God, I am going to praise you in the middle of this trial. I am going to live my life. So even though things are not going the way that I would really want them to go, I trust you, that you will guide me, that you will lead me, that you will, Will see me through. Because I know there's weeping in the evening, but there will be joy in the morning. Let us pray. Oh God, it's hard to talk about suffering. We don't want to suffer. We don't want pain. We want to avoid these things because it hurts. It hurts in so many ways. But God, we give thanks because Christ hurt, because Christ had pain, because Christ died, but became victorious over that, Death, so that all we may go through on this life, we may see joy in the morning. So God, we ask that you just walk with us, that you share your grace and your love with us, that you allow us to be filled by your word to help us through these difficult times. So, Lord, we lift this prayer to you, and we lift our lives to you, all that we have and all that we are. In the name of Jesus, our Lord. Amen.